Hello, listeners, etc., etc. Um, welcome to only the second episode of the podcast because, like I said, my branding is insecure and lazy. Um, no, I've just been really busy, and like I said, this podcast is a bit of fun. Um, and I already said I wasn't going to do chronological episodes for this exact reason. And I'm very happy with myself about it. (laughs) Um, I'm really excited today. I actually have my first interview uh, with the beautiful Samantha Andrews. I went to Melbourne last week. And while I was there, I had the pleasure of interviewing a few fabulous people. Sam being one of them. Um, We actually met on a campaign and just kind of knew that we had something there and then on this trip we finally met in real life and fell in love which is a beautiful thing don't you love that when you meet someone and you just know that they're like your person your people and actually on that when you get that feeling even if it's like just if you're like at a coffee shop and you and the person serving you just like have a vibe and you just know that they're like your person in terms of like this is platonic by the way I mean it could be romantic but I'm purely talking platonic right now foster that like I have probably missed so many opportunities where I have that and then I don't go like hey do you want to hang out um and I'm starting to do that more because it's important if you meet someone that you gel with and you just like know intuitively that like your energies are that sounds so voodoo and gross but like your energies are kind of like working together pursue that because I feel like we get scared not to because of like we think it's like weird you know but like you can meet people in really odd situations and become really good friends you don't always have to have like a mutual friend you know anyways that was just a random tangent that I felt the need to go on so yes I'm going to introduce Sam and then we're going to get into this episode okay also a lot of you all were like why don't you have intro music? Some of you like loved it though. Cause you're like, it's so like casual. I literally feel like I'm in your bedroom, which is kind of like actually the vibe um, because I like to keep everything I do cute and casual. Um, and some people don't like that because they like professional aspirational type things, but I'm not, I'm not that person. I really wish I was, I really do. But yeah, but then I was like, cause I actually did have intro music planned for the first ep and then I was just like you know what I'm not gonna do that whole thing and then I was like maybe I will and I went to like add it to the ep just to like experiment and for some reason GarageBand I I podcast on GarageBand just like speeds up the music I download and I tried every I've literally spent like hours on Google just out of like frustration as well of like I don't like not being able to work out things Um, And I can't find any proper answers. So if anyone out there knows why it does that and how I can fix that, hit me up. Because, you know, maybe maybe now because I can't have it, you know, human behavior. I'm like, I can't have intro music because it's not working. Therefore, I want it. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to introduce Sam and then we're going to get into today's episode. So, Samantha Andrews is a queer comedian based in Melbourne that rose to TikTok fame during a lockdown last year when a hilarious video of her intimidating different types of shop assistants went viral. Um, I don't know if you've seen this video, if you already follow Sam on TikTok. If you're on TikTok, I'm sure you've definitely seen her. This video is actually how I found Sam. 
It's very funny. You should go and look at it. And um, this video puts Sam on the map and she has continued to make a name for herself, most recently performing her cabaret, No Hat, No Play, alongside fellow comedian Mel O'Brien at this year's Melbourne International Comedy Festival. They may be touring again soon to be confirmed. And if they do, I will let you all know um, in the show notes. But yes, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. She's a force to be reckoned with. And I am so excited to be chatting with her today. So without further ado, here is Sam. He's recording them both now. I think so. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Conversations with Kath. We've had so many (laughs) mic difficulties. Like we could have recorded a whole nother episode. Poor Sam. Have we been sitting here for an hour on tutorials? Never. I'm here for oh it. my god. This is just so embarrassing. I'm just so unprofessional. It hurts. Um, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's okay. We're in fancy Melbourne. Hometown. Um, yeah. And to start the episode, I started doing this on my solo episodes and it's so generic, but I'm going to ask you for a recommendation of the week, but it can literally be like anything. Yeah, okay. I have a playlist on Spotify that has been, like, getting me through um, the last few months. It was recommended to me on TikTok, and it is called Main Character in a 2000s Movie Getting Ready for the Day That'll Change Their Life. And it's by Eve underscore C-O-N. Eve Con. Or Ev Con, sorry. Ev underscore Con. And it's brilliant. It's got, like, what? a thousand miles, rich girl, Hilary Duff... Um, what else? Miley Cyrus, Atomic Kitten. It's so good. And I put it on in the shower and I feel like I'm in an early 2000s film. So that was the first thing that came to my head. Wow, but, that's so yeah. cool. But my, can I do an anti-recommendation or something? I'm so pissed off that I purchased. You hit me. We're always yeah. looking for new creative ideas on here. I don't know. I had to Google this because I got really upset. I bought the ordinary retinol you know how retinol is like the new thing with skincare everyone's obsessed with retinol is that like a brand the ordinary the brand you know how they have oh and they're like um zoe has them and they're like so effing expensive yeah some of them can be expensive but what they are is basically i'm pretty sure their brands like thing that they do is they get one ingredient from certain skincare products and just bottle that and sell that so you can right. like build a skincare routine anyway it's i think it's called retinoid in in squalene but it's retinol slash retin i'm just using them interchangeably don't even know which one's fucking what but they are meant to be really good for you know like preventing fine lines and wrinkles and a lot of people use them for anti-aging after using it wow. i have never looked more wrinkly wait really I and I had to Google, does your skin look worse before it looks better? And they're like, sometimes, yes. I will like wake up in the morning and there are extra lines around my eyes that never existed before I used this product. But maybe I just need to give it a bit of a chance. But I don't know, that's just been my experience. See, my thing with skincare is I don't use anything anymore. Like, mm. I refuse. I literally use water and like if i have makeup on i buy these like baby johnson i've used them for like so long they're like a they're like a makeup wipe but they got like moisturizer in them so you don't get that like rough like when you feel like you're scraping sandpaper on your face your skin's so nice for doing absolutely nothing to it i used to get pimples like now if i like have a moment where i'm like fuck it yeah and you because zoe like loves a skincare routine ditto i break out 
It's all a scam. You. I hate you. You're like, I except can't... for when you're doing paid ads on the internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's why I love. <laughs> and oh that's why God. I love. I'm trying to think of a brand. Yeah, that I haven't worked <laughs> with. This. Yeah, you have. I haven't worked with many skincare brands. It's just being like, and that's why I choose Nivea. It's like, yeah, don't bitch. You know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> So the first question I'm going to ask you is kind of just going back to the start. And I want to know where you grew up and what you were like as a kid and all that sort of thing. Totally. I grew up in um, southeast Melbourne, pretty close to the beach. Um, Loved going to the beach. My dad um, used to do professional ocean water swimming. So we were at a different beach every weekend. So you swim? I swim, but not to the... (laughs) <laughs> not the like your dad my, my dad would probably like I remember doing one nippers race at lawn and being like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm not sporty at all for anyone that has no idea of the context of this I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do a nippers race like look at me go and literally within the first like <laughs> two seconds of getting plunging into the water someone kicked off my goggles and I was just at the back of the pack so much so that all of like the nippers like actual <laughs> proper lawn surf life saving kids made it to the finish line and my poor dad's just like waiting for me and I slowly come up as like last and everyone's clapping I'm like stop looking at me but um Aww. no absolutely love loved going to the beach when I was a kid um what was I like as a kid I was very outgoing very confident very theatrical dramatic loved being the class clown but loved masking that also with um with a, like an intense need to be a teacher's pet so I was cheeky and always talking but then also really like sucking up to the teachers which sounds a little (laughs) bit manipulative now that I think about it but no I loved theater in school I was always taking you know the random school concerts in a in our school hall way too seriously it's like this is just a this is a soiree and just because the kids are playing out of time on their tambourines doesn't mean you need to roll your eyes on stage that (laughs) my mum had to tell me off for one concert we did (laughs) did you ever do I feel like every primary school student did this the song was like syncopated cereal walking down the street. I've and never heard that song I don't know, in my life. Maybe this will trigger some listeners, but there's this like song that we did. And I remember there's this thing where it's like cross the street to the other side and people were going the wrong way. And I rolled my eyes on stage <gasps> and afterwards I was in like grade two. My mom <laughs> sat me down and she's like, do not draw your ten- like attention to yourself like that just because just because no one else is getting it at the I sound like an idiot who's gonna keep listening to me after this though oh my god she had tickets on no. herself from like the age of five no very dramatic very outgoing no you take theater. you take theater seriously I yeah. love that yeah no absolutely and I loved school I, I loved mm. loved loved school how and was your experience like I always yeah. I'm always interested I think in people's um, experience of school, because I feel like everyone has a totally different yep. experience of school. Like, yep. would you say it was mostly positive for you? Yeah, definitely. It was. It was a really positive experience, and I feel like primary school was great. High school was even better. Um, I've. I'm not a very academic person. I, you know, I don't know if you had this in. Actually, I think it was. You know, the University of New South Wales tests that they used to do for us in school I never got more I is that like a uh it's like, like a nap plan yeah it's like similar to okay right, 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 so right. test everyone across the board yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's nap plan yeah for us I think I got one credit once in English and I was like put it on the fridge <laughs> whereas my sister was getting high distinctions in everything and got like a 99 ATAR and it's just ridiculous wow. so I was never that academically gifted but I loved theater and I loved mm 
I loved English and I loved drama and and all of those things. But I had a really, really positive experience at school. I went to a really um, a school with a really great environment where working hard was really encouraged and people yeah. tried to do well. And there were teachers at my school. I, I can so say the name because I think mm. it's a great school. I went to McKinnon Secondary, um, and which is a non-selective state school in Victoria. And they were like, I saw teachers bring students from like, you know, getting 50% to 60% on tests to like getting above 40 as a study score that they just worked so hard with their students. Mm. And I had a really, a really great, a really great high school experience. I loved it. I loved it. How about you? Oh, no. School, I think, you know, school, school obviously is um it's hard because like i don't think it is catered to everyone but also it's really Mm. hard to do that so it's not me fully like slamming the school system or teachers because it's like yeah they got to work with what they have to work with but unfortunately i think for my brain and i had a lot of learning difficulties that were undiagnosed until i left school which made things make a lot more sense yeah um as to why i yeah wasn't really able to engage properly um yeah, and I'm, I'm also, like, a really highly anxious person, and that came yeah. out a lot at school. Like, especially yeah. primary school, I missed out on a lot of school, which then, like, led me to yeah. um, feeling really dumb because I wasn't caught up and yeah. all the things. So, yeah, school for me wasn't exactly, like, a positive experience, but, like, mm. I would never... School, school, it's different for school. everyone, and you learn different things. Like, I still... Yeah, I had... There was definitely positives of it. Like, I... Yeah. 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 No, that's completely fair. Yeah. yeah. So overall, theatrical kid. Overall theatrical kid, I loved it. And, you know, the second that I could do um, singing lessons in high school, that was just my excuse to get out of math. So I'm like, I have a singing lesson. They're like, oh, You're one of those kids. I'm like, what? Like, like, absolutely wander off with my books to go and sing The Wizard and I from Wicked whilst everyone else is doing trigonometry. Oh my God, I'm, like, I'm so jealous. Fuck yeah. Wicked is <laughs> yeah. my favourite musical, to be fair. Yes. Is it yours? It is definitely up there i would say it's probably my favorite i don't know i've seen it like five times in all different places yes oh my i don't even know why because i think of it like my family i have like a very musical kind of family and they love like i mean they're like modern musicals definitely my little sister yeah she's at wapa for like musical theater but like they they always pay me out so like you can't really be a musical fiend if wicked is your favorite musical what right the score of wicked is absolutely incredible thank you yes i need this validation wicked is it's just such a fun experience for like all ages and i saw it a few times and no i'm a huge bloody fan of wicked i remember the first time i went to wicked was back do you remember when that we wore those like plat headbands and they were yes. like and I wore it across my forehead. Yes and they're from Supre. Yes and I got photos yes. with Lucy Jurak, the young Whopper grad Lucy Jurak. Yes. With this like plat headband being like so ready. Yeah. Well I guess on that, so yeah. you I mean we'll get into the whole yeah. TikTok craze a little bit later. <laughs> yes. Um but you left school and went to uni yes. and studied music. Yes. And I would love to know, I mean, like you kind of touched on before, obviously music is and yep. was your passion. Yeah. But what made you, I suppose, decide to pursue it after school and what was mm. that experience like for you? Totally. I it's really interesting. I just didn't even sit down with myself and go, what do I want to do? It's almost mm. like I applied without even being in my own brain and just went, it was like muscle memory on the computer. I was just like, I'm applying for music and it just happened. Mm. Um, so I applied for a few different 
schools and ended up um, getting into um, two that I really had to like decide between. So I got into the jazz course at Monash, which was going to be like straight jazz for three years, where basically you become a really um, well-trained, I would in this, in my case, be a well-trained jazz vocalist and be able to, you know, um, work my way around a lot of uh, jazz standards and be able to solo over them. Whereas VCA, it was a jazz degree. It was jazz and improvisation. But the first year is a focus on building jazz foundations and improvisation. And then the two years after that, um, they kind of break, you break more into writing your own music, which was something I really wanted to do. And I think I had stars in my eyes from going to a lot of the VCA open days and seeing Mm. the musical theatre performers perform and seeing the dancers. And I remember my, I love my dad. He comes, my dad's like, has a career in finance and he came (laughs) along to one of the open days and I remember I was sitting there for music and it was all of the guitar there was a ensemble of guitarists but they were playing their guitars upside down and doing some kind of it was pretty wanky but it was cool it was like an improvised guitar piece and my dad's just sitting there and he's like his brain's like what does this mean as a degree like what is my daughter about to go do but anyway (laughs) I really really enjoyed uni and they said you know, one of the biggest things about the VCA that I love was is the cross collaboration that happens between the film and TV students working with a dancer who then works with a composer and puts together something to be performed at the NGV or at Malthouse. It's it's great the collaboration and people that I still work with and write with today are people that I met from uni. Um, the degree was straight music, and you know I have a very big passion and interest in musical theatre and comedy. And my degree was very, it was, it was serious and it was, no, we're singing serious songs now. And, you know, you're very much refining and perfecting um, your skills as a, as a vocalist and as a musician. Mm. I think it was really interesting. um, And this is a very common thing in music, but especially in jazz, there's not a lot of um, female uh, musicians in, in the jazz field it's a very male-dominated industry and you know there was around 35 of us in our course and I think four or five were women Whoa. and yeah and most of them and what not, why is that I, I mean I guess just, you're really about to get into that but yeah, I don't know why I, I just feel like I just feel like the support isn't there as much for female jazz musicians I don't think that it's a it's a genre that they go into as often. And if they do go into it, they're more likely to be a vocalist. And and here I am. I was a vocalist there. Mm. And it's, you know, one, as a, as a female in the course, I had to work really hard because um, there was definitely misogyny within my course. And, you know, I'd be in rehearsals or in sessions. And maybe it came down to, you know, we were all just a bit young and it, it, trying to show off to each other. But there would be moments where I'd be in rehearsals and we'd be working on like pieces that I wrote and that mm. I composed and then you know I'd duck off to the bathroom and I'd come back and you know the we call, you call it the rhythm section so the keys the piano player the drummer the bassist whatever you've got all male would be changing chords or changing something in my song and then not telling me and I'm like what are you doing They're like oh we just thought it should be this and I'm like well why was I not included in this conversation I think it's a real assumption that one well there's definitely this kind of disgusting stereotype that jazz vocalists are just there to be pretty and to just Mm. sing the songs and they love the sound of their own voices, but they're not musical enough 
to do all the other steps of like improvising and not to get into like the nitty gritty, but basically singers have to work really hard in jazz um, because if you're an instrumentalist and, you know, um, the way that improvisation happens is it, it happens over chord changes or chords of a song. So if you're doing a standard like Fly Me to the Moon, mm. um, you then have the chords that underscore that. And then the way that jazz works is then each person in the in the ensemble will then take time to like improvise over the changes. So usually, anyway, I'm getting way too into it. But basically, if you're an instrumentalist and you see, um, you know, you see a C, a C chord or a C major seventh, you know that you can improvise with C, E, G or B, right? And then you just press those buttons. Whereas if you're a singer, you don't have buttons to press. You have to learn all of the chords and learn all the way that they move in arpeggios to then it's it's just a whole yeah wow yo I'm like I'm like wow I didn't know this much went into singing like I'm literally listening to this and being like yeah holy shit (laughs) yeah wow and so there's just when there's that assumption made that singers aren't working hard and they're just there to look pretty and they're just there to sing and they love the sound of their own voices I definitely was hit with a lot of but do you think men get that I don't think well I I think that's like which is like a misogynistic way to look at and I'm and I'm coming into the course like as a fresh-faced you know straight out of school 18 year old that's I I feel like if if I was studying now as a mature age student I would have fought back a lot more but I think I was just so overwhelmed at the ridiculous hours of our course how you know we would have to sit the VCA, whilst I love it so much, they also do create a culture where if you're not practicing from 8am when you get in till midnight every day in a practice room, then you don't want it, want it enough and someone that wants it more will will succeed further than you. So it was very much that kind of experience, but I did enjoy it. I was just continually, especially in the composition side of things, I was always trying to push it and like write comedy songs. Mm. And they're like, this is a jazz degree. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but um, for my graduating recital, I wrote like an acapella musical with three of my friends um, about, and this, this sounds very 2015, 16 when you hear it, but it was about someone being left on red on Facebook messenger. And then the, it was this kind of weird, um, like vocal exploration with like, sounds of like phones and but it was like a comedy satire about you know like the downward spiral you go through when you've been left on red and you're like well I'm cleansing and I'm giving up all technology but it was basically in the form of a musical and I just remember my like assessors at my recital were like this is not jazz this was extremely good and this is very you but this is not jazz Samantha oh and I was gosh. like I just want to write you're like I'm in the wrong course <laughs> yeah but I yeah well, I guess on that, on the, you know, comedy and creating your own stuff, mm. um, you are a big TikTok star. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that, um, from what I know anyway, that kind of began over lockdown yes. last year. Yep. And I guess um, I would love to know, and I'm sure the listeners would like to know, how that um, happened for you. Was it premeditated? Was it accidental? Yep. And yeah, how you sort of got into creating tiktoks as a, li- a way to make like a living yeah almost. yeah it's oh it was just bizarre i i joined the app um literally something to do during lockdown my friend was like you'd like this app mm. i never got into vine but i heard that this was good and fast and fun and i was like great so i started watching videos and i was like 
uh, I just remember one day having truly nothing to do because we we're in Melbourne lockdown for all of 2020. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just make a video about what it's like to be shopping with your friends when you're 12. And I was like, I think this is funny. <laughs> Posted it really not in like, not in a way that's like, I can't wait for it to blow up. I was like, I think this is funny. Posted it. And then it did well. And I was like, okay. And all of these followers like started coming in. And of course you get hit with that, like serotonin. And you're yeah. like, more, more, more. So then I went, cool. Well, I'll pop, post a part two. Easy, easy. And then I was like, right, well, now I'm just going to do shop assistance. And then that, that was what blew up was one of my earlier videos. And then I was like, well, I've truly got nothing to do every day apart from like write music and go on walks. So why don't I just keep going Mm. and I did and I just kept uh, my thing that I've always really tried to stick to is um quality over quantity and I know on the app it's really easy and they say like if you want to get big on TikTok you have to post multiple posts a day and you know the whole hype uh, hype house is it called hype house is it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's similar with any social. They always say that to people that pump it out and I'm like no, I'd rather put out one video I also a can't week. do it it's like what you were saying before yeah. I think there's this whole culture mm. um I think especially in the arts and anything yep. creative and like what you were saying when you were at uni yep. there's like this idea of like if you're not working from 8 a.m to 12 p.m you don't want it enough yep. and I feel like it's the same like online and like I had to like really work hard because also like I'm borderline lazy yeah um but also just like really put myself first a lot Mm. when it comes to like my time and taking time Good. for myself and I, but I always feel guilty about it because I feel like there is this you know especially as being a creator like you've got yep. to pump 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 and if you're not then yep. like you're a failure almost like do you oh, struggle with that still I've it's actually interesting you asked that because recently I've been struggling with the with that um fear of oh you're gonna plateau soon or mm. your time is up you're oh my not God, relevant mood. anymore. But then, yeah. But then, yeah. <laughs> Me for the past five plateau, years. Yeah. Truly, but then I go, no, no. I think I think the thing is, I have found an app that works really well for, for my brain. And mm. I people ask me, they're like, how do you keep coming up with, with content? Like, isn't it hard? And I'm like, no, I have a I have a Google Doc that's I think around 40 <laughs> pages of just ideas that I come up with. I don't think like maybe this is like a really like a good strength I guess on the app is I continually have content ideas and I think because the the videos are only a minute then it's so easy to you know like extend something out to 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 a few like different videos in a a series but I continually have ideas but I think um yeah I, I definitely struggle with the whole like you're 26 on TikTok this is an app for kids what are you doing but then I'm like no I feel like TikTok is now getting a more, a broader audience and I've got to stop talking down to myself, but it's like what we were talking about earlier before jumping on this podcast is when it comes to um, making money from it. And I think a lot of people assume, because now I'm really lucky, like TikTok is my main income source and making content for brands. I think people think that with content creators, we just accept every brief that comes our way and Mm. some do. And um, I'm not being like, woe is me, but I say no to so many campaigns with really nice paychecks because I'm either like, that's not going to be funny. I can't make something funny for that. Or it just doesn't suit my brand. So it it really hurts in a way when I'll work hard on doing a branded campaign, you know, that has very specific 
requirements and I'll, I'll fit the brief and I'll post the video and then people will be like, you're a sellout. It doesn't happen often, but those comments, do they hurt you? Oh my God, they, they hurt me. I got a really, so I feel like it happens less. I, 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 I think because my content's changed, but I remember maybe it would have been a little bit like a year and a half ago now. There was just like a period where I said yes to so many things. Like I think it was money and security. I also had this thing because I was like losing followers from changing my brand that my time was up. Mm. So like I was just like make make money and like, you know, I just got really insecure and I said yes to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but not even like not compared to other influencers, just compared yeah. to me because yep. I used to say no to like, nearly everything yeah um yeah and i got these comments i did like it i think it was hello fresh i did like right. it which is like fucking everyone i would say fucking, yes to them again that's yeah fuck it up yeah um yeah but i yeah and 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 yeah i got all these comments people being like you're a sellout now and blah 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 and like oh, yeah it hurts <laughs> i got a, i got someone like, took the time to dm me when they did a campaign with up banking and we're like, remember when you used to post funny videos and not branded content? Mm. And I just responded and I, I was like, pissed off I have, now. yeah, I was like, I have continually pumped out comedy content for, for free, free for mm-hmm. over a year, mm-hmm. d- nearly daily. I'm allowed to, to, to make, make some money. money now. My thing now, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to, like I said, annoy me. Um, and also then when I like around that time, that was when I was also, I worked way harder. Like I was doing yeah. free recipes every week. Yeah. Like I did a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, not saying I don't do anything now, but I was like, a generous I, bitch. Yeah, I was like, and now I'm yeah. like not as generous with my time, but, yeah. um, I, my thing now is like F off. If you want all these free things from me, like you yep. want me to sh- let you in on a part of my life. You yep. want me to talk about these things. You want me to take pretty photos and tell you where my coats are from and tell, and mm. I'm happy to do that. Right. Yep. But you bet your fucking ass that I'm going to get paid every so often. And I'm not asking you for money. Yep. I'm literally not asking you for money. I'm yep. doing an ad every so often in order to stay on this platform, yep. which is what you want, like question mark. And if it's not, then all good. I'll fucking go. Like, know. yeah, it doesn't, I it bothers know. me less now because I'm like, no, like literally fuck off. And mm-hmm. I also think, I feel like DMing people back that say that I'm like, would you not? Mm. Would you not? I know you would. Yeah. So, I feel like as well, TikTok still has a bit of, um, it needs more time to kind of simmer in the ad space. With Instagram, people know what sponsored content is. It's pretty easy to pick it out. Whereas I feel like with TikTok still having a younger audience, a lot of them are kids. So they Mm. don't understand. They're like, why is this ad on my for you page? It's like, because that's how apps work, babe. Yeah. They they have to start Welcome to the real world. Yeah, Yeah. Welcome to the real world. But, um, and people got, I think as well, when you have a young audience, they don't also understand, like, I mean, I could be this maybe, maybe wrong, but like also got to pay bills. Like time is money. Like you can't just be making free videos or for me making, uh, yeah. free, like doing this for free. Like you can't be yeah. doing all these things for free because I literally need to pay my bills yep. and I need to like yep. live my life and make money. Yep. So you, you need like. There's oh. got to be a balance. Some brands. Now I just feel like I'm just bitching about TikTok. And I really <laughs> I'm very. We're very lucky. No, we're very. We're, we say we this with like I am so grateful. It's, but that's kind yeah. of why I say it because yeah. I think before I used to write it off and be like, exactly. ew, sponsored content. But I'm like, no. It's has, grateful. Do you feel like for you? Because I definitely think this has happened for me. I I see influencers through different eyes now. Like mm. I can understand. Um, there's obviously in certain types of influencing I don't agree with like when you're promoting like diet 
products. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't say yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see how it can be hard to be an influencer. And I even find the term influencer weird. Like if people say I was at a gig the other day and they're like, Oh, and the influencers here. And I'm like, what? Mm. I'm not. I'm just me. I'm Sam. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd. Weird. It's an odd. Also, it's like, weird. we're all influencers. Truly. Like, you're Truly. when you walk out of the house and make decisions, or yeah, you know what I mean. Like, you're influencing the world. I want to tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all influencers, but we are. And yeah. I think as well why the term influencer has gotten a bad rap is because you know instagram and influencer culture is a huge money maker and it's one of the only industries where the gender pay gap doesn't exist it's the other way so women yep. make a lot more money on instagram than men if you're a male influencer or whatever you might have like double the amount of followers and make like half as much as someone like a woman yep um that has less uh, less of an audience than you and I think that's why it became like this thing of like paying out influencers and influencers are so dumb and frivolous and blah 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 yeah. when it's really no like women just like going you know what like I'm gonna post photos of my body and these things that mm. you know usually get used against me yep. in this sense and I'm gonna make a fucking rotting off that and I say hell to the fucking yeah I've just been nodding aggressively for anyone listening because <laughs> it's it's so true mm. it, yeah and it also annoys me I think um there's a lot of like um I don't know if you find this because obviously you're a comedian so you understand like content mm. in that way um but I find there's this also this so there's a lot of like male uh, obviously like comedians online that do like sketches and like make like funny videos and there's yeah. always 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 a payout of influencers and it's always like them wearing a blonde wig oh God, and even... wearing like a midriff top uh. and running around and being like no 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 I'm an influencer oh my god nah, nah, nah. and it really annoys me and everyone laughs at it and, and I think as well including you know I see a lot of uh, women and even me like three years ago I would have mm. reposted that and be like ha 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 yeah. um, but now I'm get annoyed and I know why women repost that stuff because they're trying to dis them, distance themselves from it because the patriarchy yeah. is real and the closer you get yeah. to male privilege and power the more powerful you feel so I totally understand it yeah. but I look at it I'm like why are we not talking about how misogynistic um, and sexist that is yeah. because those influences that you talk about are making a fucking huge living yeah and they can do whatever the fuck they want like oh, it's <laughs> and they're not dumb they're actually no. so fucking smart like I they're know. not dumb like they know what they're doing it's calculated <laughs> you don't have to follow them if you don't want to follow that kind of influencer that's fine like you can yep. choose who you want to follow like so fine but don't pay them out for for doing what they do and being really fucking good at it and really I, smart i know i feel recently a lot more people band together in comments and will call it out and oh, be, i saw a, um a pre, I'll, they'll remain nameless but i saw mm. a pretty very big um male comedy duo recently mm. do a video i don't know if you can catching me yeah catching my drift and um you know usually i think their content is really funny yep. and i think that they're great um they've created a great brand for themselves i think they write really well but this one just wasn't it wasn't it to mm. tell you the truth and it was making fun of exactly like that kind of talking voice and oh my gosh we're all here and i love you bitch and i'm like and people just called it out in the comments oh they did you're usually funny but this feels misogynistic and i as a female like 
as a female comedian, I also have to check myself because when you're doing a comedy sketch, it's all about exaggeration and caricature. Mm. You know, usually that does really well, but I have to check myself when I'm making characters and going, is this it? Am I actually kind of dissing my own my own self right now? Am I mm. dissing women and, and the way that, you know, we like to go out or the way that we like to look pretty or the or all of those things, which are so valid. I, I have to check in with myself because I don't want to, I don't want women to be the butt of the joke, nor do I want men to be the butt of the joke. I think, you know, yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing to self reflect on. And I feel like it's easy as well because extreme caricatures or kind of, you know, that kind of dissing culture, it usually actually does really well and people love to have a laugh at it, but I don't think the pay the payoff is worth it is mm. worth like marginalizing a group of, I think it depends. Like, you know, for example, I, one of the first videos I watched of yours, which I thought was fucking hilarious, was that one with the shop assistants, right? It was like general pants and then like David, like it was a David Jones. I don't know. You just just like, yeah. And it was, it was fucking amazing. Um, I think that's very different to then um, paying out women or paying out, you know, like obviously, like I said, like influencers only because influencer culture is centered around women being dumb and frivolous. I think, yeah, like comedy, yeah. obviously. It's like, you know what it reminds me of? Um, do you watch Drag Race? You watch yes. Drag Race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember in the American season when they do that roast? They do it every... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and when roast. roasting is a very fine line, right? And it's yeah. like, um, so in, in this episode, roasting, you get up and you just like pay out a bunch of old drag queens. And it's fucking hilarious, Ovi. Yeah. But there was one of the contestants, Utica who was mean and the judges were like you were mean yeah and i think that's kind of what we're talking about it's like roasting people or roasting a culture or roast like that is fucking funny and that can remain yep but there's a line work it out and the only way you work it out is literally do your googles i know oh 100 (laughs) percent. and there's a lot of stuff that's labeled as comedy on tiktok and i'm like Mm. are we really calling this comedy i don't think being like down Burke Street Mall or at Melbourne Central and then just like going up to women and pranking them. That's not comedy to me at all. Yeah. Like, and I just see stuff like that and I'm like, oh, get this off my for you page. Mm. I, I have no follow up statement. Just wanted to express that that kind of stuff really, um, really frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess on that, which we're kind of talking about right now, but my next question was going to be, you know, I would love to know your experience being a queer woman in comedy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I guess like we've kind of just touched on that. Yeah. I think. If there's anything else you want to add to what we're saying. Yeah. I think um, personally, I I just have to work really hard for people to believe that I'm funny um, and it's frustrating when I'll post a video and it's, you know, I'm, I'm not at all saying that I'm unattractive or I'm hideous or I'm garbage. And I don't like when, especially female comedians in it, it's common in just comedy in general to self-deprecate. And that's yeah. kind of, um, you know, that's what some people consider comedy. I don't ever want to put myself down to be funny, but it's frustrating if I post a video that I've worked really hard on and then it's, it's about my looks and it, it's so mm. funny. I don't know why. See, this is because this writes itself as my own comedy for like, if I ever want to do stand up, but mm. I just get so many comments about having a square face. And Wait, people really? like, yeah, it's so bizarre. Just it's 12 year old boys. They'll come in the comment section and they'll just be like, it's SpongeBob or you look like Minecraft Steve or they'll just comment. Okay. Squares. TikTok is mean. 
TikTok can be brutal. One hundred. It's so di- much different to Instagram. Yeah, it's that people are really mean on that yeah. app. Yeah, yeah. And so I just have to delete comments, and you know, mm. yeah, you just have with like female comedians. We just have to work a lot harder. I don't have a lot of experience in like the stand-up gigging kind of sphere, but I know that there's just I've I know female comedians that have expressed frustrations in being the only female um, identifying comedian in like a lineup of just a whole bunch of white cis straight men making. Yep you know, making jokes that I don't actually consider consider that funny. And, you know, I just have come off the back of my first ever Melbourne Comedy Festival experience, which was brilliant. Mm. But I, you know, I, whilst I wasn't doing stand-up, I was doing a comedy cabaret about life in primary school um, called No Hat, No Play. I was with my um, female, like, Which yeah. you can still get tickets for where? where well, we, if it's we're still in the process oh we okay want to tour we want to tour it okay well i will leave in the show notes if it that is. is confirmed by the time this goes live you should if go not, see the show it's not, fucking incredible yeah i'm on instagram samantha andrew and you the, all the updates will be there great but Continue. um yeah, so <laughs> working with mel um who's also like we're both female comedians together um we had a, a few people that just didn't really take us seriously especially mm. because um, it's not stand up and we're two girls and we're singing about life in primary school. And I think a lot of people kind of didn't turn their nose up at it because it was a really well received show. But I, I just remember having a few conversations with people where I'm like, Oh, I don't think you are taking me or this seriously. But then if you look at the ticket sales alone or, or just how well the show did, I'm like, no people, people mm. want this stuff. And Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. I feel like I've gone on a tangent. And no, no, no. I think you're just adding on to what we were saying before, yeah. like women not getting taken seriously. And yeah. do you find so like I don't know a lot about comedy or like the comedy. Yep. Like, you know, I don't See, I yeah. watch comedy, but not a lot. Like yeah. I wouldn't say. But do you find that a lot of the time women, especially if we're talking about stand up. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, self-deprecate. Yeah. Do you also find like because I've only seen snippets usually online. I feel mm. like a lot of the time men stand up is like almost like self like talking about women yeah i'll be obsessed with women yeah you can only talk about it sometimes um yeah and i don't know like um i feel i feel there was some comedians at melbourne comedy festival um i feel like i could just say their name uh, do you know the whole oh Robert? that guy yeah, yeah fucking yeah. name and Alex, shame Alex, we don't want to be his friend Alex, yeah, Alex Shooter Williamson I just uh, I don't was he there he like booked out like I'm pretty sure the Athenaeum Theatre or something that gets Yuck. it's like a thousand seats per night but his comedy just creates such a like uh, he creates such an environment where heckling is encouraged and everyone's just yelling and the entire I would feel so uncomfortable in that audience mm. and I've just I've just been in shows every now and again where I've just felt uncomfortable and that's not a nice, that's not a nice experience and it's not fair and it's not right to then mask it as, um, as, oh, it's dark comedy. It's yeah. Dark, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. no, it's just, come on, you've got to have a laugh. I'm Fuck like, no, off. I just don't yeah. think. There's a line and you crossed it. Yeah. 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 But I've seen variety nights you know, um, where every single female comedian in the lineup has been so unique and they're all so their own comedian. Like, they're uh, uh, talking. They're <laughs> all so unique in what they deliver within their, like, content and their pacing and their delivery and, you know, their experiences. And I'm like, 
female comedians, we just have to work a lot harder to be taken seriously and to be believed as being funny. Because I think if you put a man on a screen or on a stage, he's instantly proven like he's funny until proven otherwise. Whereas with a female comedian, it's like you put them on stage and the first thing, and I even have done it in the past and I have to check myself is the first thing you go is, oh, what are they wearing? Oh, that's a bit of a weird top to wear to a comedy festival show. And then you go, no, it is not about their looks. And I know that I've had to reflect on that and really dissect why my natural reaction is that. But I just feel, and maybe jump in if you agree, I feel like when a male is on stage, they're funny until proven otherwise. And if a female gets on stage, it's like, all right, we'll prove it. You think you're funny? Well, then show me. Yeah, that's, that's such a gross default setting to begin with. That's, yeah. I think, absolutely. And I think that goes for like every fucking industry. Mm. Women aren't taken seriously mm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to work double as hard in order to be taken seriously or in order to be given an opportunity Um, And I think being queer adds another layer to that. Mm. Even with it, I think even if we're talking about like queerness as well, like I find I have to prove my queerness and I feel like men don't. Yep. Um, Oh my gosh, yes. Well, the last, speaking of queerness, I think the last, you know, question we will quickly um, touch on is like you identify as queer. Yes. Um, And I would love to know... um, a little bit about your journey yep. of queerness and also how maybe that, if that um, intersects mm. with your work or the way you maneuver yourself in the world. And maybe it doesn't, yep. but 100%. Yeah, so my my journey with my queerness um, is going on, wait, around 2013. I can't, I cannot do maths if we, I don't, I'm not even going to try and do the maths of how many years that is. But basically, you know, around six, seven, that, that could so be wrong. Seven in a bit. I just took a stab in the dark. All right. You great. did well. Thank you so much. <laughs> like I said before, I'm not academic, but <laughs> I, yeah, I came out in high school as bisexual and then um, dated a girl in first year uni. And because I was like very femme presenting and, and very quote unquote girly, I think a lot of people were like, oh, okay, yeah, you're bi, sure. And then I got a girlfriend mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, she was serious. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yes, I'm serious. I fucking love women. Anyway, dated, and then I dated women for um, five years. And um, then, um, then I met, uh, well, also then I dated someone who was non-binary before I met my um, my current boyfriend, um, Cody, but I think, you know, for a lot of years, because I am such an all or nothing person in the way I do everything, it's my Aries energy. I was, I was like, no, I am, I'm a lesbian 100%. I know it. I'm a lesbian. And I just was, you know, really, really enjoying dating women. And then it took me until, you know, I kind of had, um, my experience, um, dating my ex who's non-binary and now dating, uh, Cody, who is a trans man, I was like, well, obviously I sit somewhere else on the spectrum. And, you know, I, I think with my queerness, I was really harsh on myself for a while. And I think because I went so gung ho being like, no, I'm a lesbian, I'm a lesbian. I almost felt disappointed in myself when I found that not to be true. And I, I don't know why that is, but I, I felt like I was maybe for years I'd been making it up or I'd been trying to convince myself otherwise but I'm now just so I'm queer is the best um, uh, label for me because it's an umbrella term. And I just feel, I feel like I'm queer, but I've spoken to Cody about it and I don't think there's any harm in admitting this, but I'm definitely more attracted 
Um, or I could see myself, if not that we will, me and my partner were to break up, I would probably date, end up dating more women um, than I would end up dating men. Yeah. That's so, yeah. I've, yeah. yeah I, everything you just said, I'm like, retweet, retweet. Retweet. Um, do you feel the same? Yeah. And it's really yeah. weird for me because I think I, it's really complicated. Um, my, like, you know, identity mm. and that's why we love the term queer because mm-hmm. it's just easy when you're like i'm confused yeah <laughs> but i'm definitely not straight yeah 100%. <laughs> um like because even me I, and i've had lots of conversations with zoe zoe's my partner who is non-binary and trans and i still right now and like i think when it comes to labels i always go for like whatever feels right in the moment like for example in your story mm. if you were identifying as a lesbian mm. before cody yeah. um that's fine because that's what was felt right and empowering to you in the moment. Like I always yep. go with labels, like what feels empowering for yep. me today and makes me feel like hot and sexy and in myself. And I'm yep. just going to go with that. And that might change and like taking the pressure off because I definitely feel that. Like I even remember when yep. I came out, I thought because I'm like slightly femme presenting as well. And I just yep. was like, people won't take me seriously. They'll think it's like a phase. Yep. If I say that I'm gay, what if I change my mind? Or maybe people won't believe me because I dated a guy publicly, like all the things, not feeling queer enough, et yep. cetera, et cetera. But even now, like I identify as, and I've, like I sort of had conversations with Zoe, like Zoe is obviously not a woman. And, yep. and me identifying as a lesbian almost sits outside of my relationship with zoe i use that word because for so long in my life i was terrified of that word and every time i when i was younger had feelings for a woman or um you know would kiss a friend at a party as like you know you do like all these straight friends are doing it um and then it would make me feel a certain way um i was so terrified of being a lesbian there was even like these two lesbians that were and when I was at my first high school, mm-hmm. um, they were the year above and everyone would like, was grossed out by them and would like talk really awfully about them, mm. which made me more terrified of yeah. like, I thought lesbians were gross. And um, so I use it almost to like reclaim me, like not acknowledging my queerness my whole entire life because mm-hmm. I thought it was gross and scary and couldn't possibly be me. Yep. And I think labels and words are so powerful. Also like lesbians throughout history have been erased um, yep. and have been, you know, not taken seriously and fetishized and all the things. So I have a really different relationship with like labels and queerness now because I know that I can like saying I'm a lesbian feels so fucking like empowering and like strong yep. for me. And that doesn't take away from the fact that Zoe is not a woman. Yeah. And people might think differently about that and that's fucking fine, but that's what makes me feel good. Yep. And my partner feels okay with that. And if yeah. they didn't, that would obviously change. Um, so yeah. That's... And two things can be true at once. And totally. Yeah, totally. Exactly. No, that is, that is so you've just basically once again I'm just aggressively nodding and I I think because I am very femme and I I almost took on like being a lipstick lesbian Mm. as a badge of honor for so many years and went no fuck you I'm dating women look at me I'm dating women 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 and I almost got like competitive and weird and gross with it and I I had they're not really close friends of mine anymore but I, I had people that were like they, they're like oh but you're just gonna end up with a man so then when I did and now I have it's mm. really hard to to not let that narrative like sit in my brain and make me feel really self-conscious or mm. like I've like I've disappointed myself or I've mm. let down the queer community everyone also everyone just needs to 
fuck off from anyone, anyone else's. But this is what I'm. Yeah, right. Even on that though, business. like yeah, even on that, and even on like what I was saying about myself yeah. just then, it's like I find a lot of the time it's also from. I mean, maybe I'm wrong because I think people in the community mm. can be, you know. But I think the whole premise of queerness, right, mm. is living outside of the binary, mm-hmm. and I think the world is such a binary, like conservative space, and people are like, what are you? These are the rules. Yep. Pick it. Stay in your box. Stick to the rules that are associated with that box and shut up and i think queerness is going no fuck your boxes Mm. like smash them yep and all good like the binary doesn't exist and you can change and you can evolve and you can express yourself how you want and all those things so it's like for me when i think about what queerness is as a whole it makes me comfortable to be able to identify as a lesbian genderqueer bitch that is dating a trans person yep you know what i mean because that is queerness it's complicated and it's and it's and it's beautiful and it's exciting and it's not binary (laughs) yeah and and that's exactly it. And I'm I'm really excited for the future and I'm excited from what I can see, even just going back onto TikTok, like there is such a community now online. Of course, there's still people that, you know, leave hate comments and just don't get it and there for another time. But it like to put a positive look on it, there is so many, I think TikTok is doing great and social media is doing awesome at educating or opening up the conversation for people that might be confused in their sexual identity or their gender identity and I just think that that's so special like I think back to even the early days of YouTube and watching like the two lesbian couples that I knew Rose and Rosie and Mm. oh who were the other ones I've forgotten their name but I was like they were my bible for a long time and I was just this little queer kid in Melbourne just on YouTube just being like wow look at them and you know I was like I can see myself in in you know in rows and I can I can see myself on a screen right now and I think that that's so validating and I I just the power of social media is so important Mm. and that's why I'm so quick as well to like if ever I see a video you know when you look at a video on online and you just know you can already assume what the comments are going to be and then you get nervous and then you look at it and I've just seen videos often of like queer kids or people that are you know doing like a pronoun check online and I'll often go to the comments nervous and be like, oh God, there's going to be really hateful comments. But then all of the top comments are people that are just really supportive being like, thank you for letting us know your pronouns. It's great to know that they're they, them. I'll know it for future reference. And it just makes me hopeful. Mm. It really makes me hopeful. And the, the gen, like kids right now, the, our next generation, like kind of being brought up you know, on this online social media kind of um, environment I really hope are going to be more open-minded than people were when we were totally oh my god it's changing so quickly yeah yeah like there's more queer people in the world than Ellen DeGeneres because I right (laughs) yeah 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 Ellen DeGeneres and a character in Modern Family yeah 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 absolutely absolutely um okay so we're just gonna end yeah. Really quickly. Mm-hmm. Your DJ name is your <laughs> is your biggest fear. DJ. D- oh, d- like, I have to come up with a DJ name. No, your DJ name is yeah. your biggest fear. Oh, so sorry. go. I was DJ. Like, um, so consistently having to be at home whilst all my friends are out and about and doing things. So DJ FOMO. Hot. Yeah. DJ FOMO. That's DJ, a good, that's the best FOMO. one. FOMO. That, that FOMO. So, yeah. yeah. Homo, FOMO. I was. I thought you were asking me to come up with a DJ name, and I was like, um, DJ Sumer. <laughs> I didn't no. ask it very well. It's the first time I've asked that question. No, I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> DJ FOMO. Um, 
Cool. All right, we'll leave it there because otherwise we're going to chat chat forever. Um, But thank you so much. Thank you. For coming on the podcast. I'm a very big fan of you, Kath. I'm a very big fan of you, Sam. Well, that's great. We've fallen in love this trip, we just have. so everyone knows. We have. In a platonic way. In a platonic way. We're not going to leave our boyfriends. <laughs> We've just gone Maybe. a million double dates. I love it. What would be your DJ name? Um, DJ Abandonment. Yeah. Oh, no, DJ Embarrassed. I think that's... Yeah, yeah. Which kind of go yeah. hand in hand. That's it changes. Really it depends what day you're talking to me. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I will leave Sam's handles, etc., in the show notes. And, yeah... Outros are so awkward. That is okay. Bye. Thank you.